everybody. Welcome to episode 62 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Picciuto. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And Jimmy Duresta. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you for being here, Jimmy. Yeah. I'm playing with my ice pick. As, as usual. I have a cold, so you can hear me. I sound a little too deep. Yeah. Nothing wrong so, with that. I'm just coming out sound, of it. Sound more radio-like. Uh, maybe. Well, what's going on other than the cold? With me, I kind of took a relaxing weekend, but Dave and I actually took an excursion this weekend out to see uh, uh, a fan, a new friend named Billy. We went out to see Billy. Billy has a, had a lead on a on an abandoned machine shop. I talked about it a little bit early in the past, but uh, early in the podcast. But we went and finally got a chance to see it. I did a Snapchat about it, so some of the fans got to watch. And all these machines have been sitting dormant for many, it must be 20, 30 years. It's hard to say. But these gorgeous machines are sitting there, like Bridgeport, all metalworking machines. And some machines I never even saw. I had a hard time finding images of them online. I didn't know exactly what to search for. But I cracked the case in one of them, and uh, all these machines are going to go in the landfill. So I'm going to try and save them if I can. So there'll be more news on that. But that was Saturday all day, and then Saturday evening... Uh, Freddie from Blazing Nail Gun was in the city and we hung out with Freddie and we shot some ice pick uh, uses that are going to be out this week with Dave. So we had a lot of fun with Freddie. He's awesome. And uh, that's right when my flu kicked in. So all day Sunday, I was out of commission and half of yesterday. And mm. so here it's today, it's Tuesday. I'm, I'm starting to get better. But I'm going to start working on some some of the kindergarten room. We Some changes have taken place. I made a prototype and met with the clients, and we changed it around a little bit. So tomorrow I'll make my second prototype of the, the table and take it from there. Oh, and, I, and I have a video coming out. Uh, I, did a, I, I did a promotional video for Lincoln, and that's coming out maybe, maybe in the next couple of days, maybe Friday. I'm not sure. So for me, I have not done anything in the shop since the last time we talked, but I've been catching up on some other things, editing a couple of videos, uh, a pen turning video, which probably won't be out for another couple of weeks. Uh, and, but before then I have my shop tour video coming out. I sent you guys a little teaser on that. It's, it's coming awesome. out. That's very funny. It's, it's fun. It's so fun. Uh, so that, I think that's coming out on Friday, but I'm waiting for, uh, some other things to be emailed me to me first. So, but, uh, hopefully that comes out on Friday and let's see, uh, I've gone through in some of my older projects and made some, some plans for it. One of them was the coffee station that I built almost a year ago. It was like 10 or 11 months ago. Wow. And I, yeah, I, I said, I know it seems like just a couple months ago when I built yeah. that. But um, I said right away, I'm like, oh, I don't have the plans ready, but I will in a few days. And then a few days turned into almost a year. So I finally made them. They're up for sale at my store. But if you guys send me an email at, at uh, david at makesomething.tv, I'll just send it to you guys for free. For making you wait so long. What a deal. It, I know, right? That's so like 100% I, off. It is 100% <laughs> off, yes. I'm not very good at math, but uh, I think you nailed it there. It's a good discount. Yeah. That reminds me, I'm going to make plans of my toolbox. I'm going to have my friend who's oh, really, cool. really, he's like a SketchUp genius. He's going to do an exploded view with dimensions and stuff of the of the toolbox. And I, don't know, I might sell them on my website for like a dollar piece or something. I'll see when, when, they, when he gets to it and I get, get around to it. But that's going to be my first collaboration with my friend Ryan, who's very good. And we might go back and have him do SketchUp plans for other things. 
Oh, you, yeah, awesome. you, you totally should. Uh, the The plans, this is a little bit behind the scenes, but the plans that I sell, it's a big part of my business. I don't think I could completely do what I do without selling some of the plans. And, and uh, it's a, uh, it takes a little bit of time, but the, the payoff is definitely, definitely worth it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And David and uh, other people have been like on me about selling plans for a long time because I've never wanted to do it. I've never wanted to put the time into it. And uh, finally went through the process of making plans for the arcade machine. And yeah, uh, totally with you, David. It's, I should have started doing it a long time ago. It's turning into a decent amount of income. So, and your toolbox was gorgeous and awesome. Yeah. So. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I was in the middle of that, I think, when we spoke last. Yeah. And uh, the I next day, I watched a couple nights ago. Um, the next day, I, I was I, did I, had I worked on the, the Whirly gig when we spoke last? I don't think so. I did a I Whirly gig. you were gig. just starting it, maybe. I don't yeah. think you were done with it. Yeah, because I just improv that whole thing. A lot of people are asking me, like, what kind of plans did I have for that? I, I just made it up as I went along, and it came out so... It was such a fun project because I just made it up as I went along. I really wasn't, like, uptight or tense about it, the net result, because I was just... And I didn't think it was going to work. I was like, oh, if this doesn't work, I'll just fake it for the video. <laughs> I'll blow some really hard air at it. But, no, it actually worked. It worked really good after, you know, once it broke in a little bit. But, yeah, that was a fun one. So Cool. Well... Um, well, I finished up my welding station cart table thing, yep. uh, which is pretty cool. So yeah, you guys good. saw, thank you. You guys saw a picture of it. Um, but since then it's actually like completed and, you know, I got the, all the stuff in, um, in it. <laughs> okay. So this is just, you know, you can poke fun at me if you want to, but I went through this whole project and the whole time, every weld I did, I was like, man, I, I must be getting worse at this. Like it, I just... I'm bad, right? And I know I'm not a good welder yet, but I felt like I was doing worse. And it was a, it seemed like a lot of extra effort to get like a reasonable spot weld and so um or a tack weld, whatever you call it. Anyway, so I'm finishing up this thing on the the last day. I got some extra stuff and I went and was like, "Oh, got to turn the gas on." And I was like, "Wait a second. It's on." Wait. <laughs> Maybe it was off. And then I realized the fact that I had had the gas turned off this entire time. And so I was oh, welding wow. with no shielding gas. Oh and my that's God. why it was, it was like spattering all over the place. And it was just, <laughs> and it's one of those things that like, I'm not familiar enough with welding. It's not something I do often enough to see the, you know, the symptom and be like, oh, well, it's because I don't have any gas on. It just didn't come to mind. With no gas, so, the welds are horrible. Yeah. So They're like lava rocks. Yeah. And so anyway... I learned from that. And as soon as I turned it on, I was like, oh, look at that. I'm not awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so funny because when, when you sent a picture, I noticed your welds were a bit like wormy looking and like really yeah. uneven. And yeah. I wasn't going to say anything because I know you're just learning. But uh, that explains it. Yeah. They're really bad. So, Do you think but, next time that you'll you'll pick that up right away? Like, oh, I don't have the gas on? Yeah. Now that I you think, know? Yeah. I think... You, the kind of shock of that of them like, Oh wow, I feel stupid. I think that'll probably stick. It's like driving on four flat tires. That's what the, that's what the equivalent is. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty I, awful. And, and it was really just kind of like, man, I, I don't think I should be making a video of this. Cause these look awful, you know, but <laughs> I had a couple of emails over the past couple of weeks saying, Hey, I'm glad you talked about your, your pitfalls with the corner cabinets and everything. Cause not everybody shows that. And uh, so it's, it, I just want to, we're continuing that. Like we're, we're, I like talking about the things that are little hiccups in our projects. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. I mean, I, I'm maybe kind of known for pointing out my mistakes, but 
I think it's important to give people like a kind of level playing field and, you know, to know that they don't have to start things perfectly. And, you know, it's funny. Um, I was, I was at the bar the other night, uh, there's some bands playing and my buddy came up to me and he's like, you know what you should do? You should make like this. And he had been drinking, but you should make like this, this hidden cabinet door thing that leads into another room. I'm like, Oh, my buddy, Bob has already done that. I'll send you a link when I get back home. And when I got back home, I sent him the link and I rewatched your video and I re- I totally remembered how it didn't shut because you didn't mm-hmm. uh, account for the the swing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it was so cool that that he did that. We don't do that enough, or I, maybe I don't do that enough. So it was it was really cool that you showed that. Mm. Yeah, I do that just about every video. <laughs> you're gonna talk about yeah. the shielding gas. You're gonna get you're gonna get like, <laughs> if you're open about it, you're not gonna have a problem. But it's gonna. It, Dave and I were just talking in the car today. We had to go do a delivery and. Uh, Talking about how welders on YouTube are very, very critical. They yeah. don't let, they don't, like, I mean, I, 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 t- I talked about it in one of my videos how I'm going to have a tips video about welding, and none of them are actually about welding. It's all about, like, around welding, mm-hmm. like, you know, cable management and all that stuff, because I'm not good at welding, and I would never dare, unless I have a certificate from, you know, DeVry University of, like, a welding expert, I have no right to say what's good or bad about welding. I, you know, I can guide people in the general direction. But welders on YouTube are like some of the most critical group. Hmm. So just beware. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't expect to be known for my welding or anything. This is, you exactly. know, basically I mean, everything I do either. is a learning process. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's me exploring something new. Exactly. And trying to pass on some of the knowledge that I gain through it. So, and, and honestly, this thing was, this is the first project I've done that was all metal, right? Everything else has been a little bit of metal and then wood. So it's like whatever I look like an idiot doing with metal, I look okay doing the wood part. So I don't feel like a complete loser. This one was just full on. I got to the end of it and was like, man, that was a lot of being bad, you know, for like a long time. (laughs) (laughs) And, but it was practice, you know, it was, it was me like just having to get something finished, even though it wasn't working out, like I wanted it to work out. And, you know, it was kind of a lesson to me and hopefully that'll translate. But if not, I still learn stuff from it. So. Anyway, awesome. but, um, so I've been, I did that. That's all complete. Um, and then I've been setting up for my first Twitch live stream, which will be tomorrow actually. So it'll be after this airs, but that's going to be, I'm going to start streaming Wednesdays at 11 AM, um, Eastern time, which is kind of a weird time I think for a lot of people, but it works into my schedule. Um, and actually I want to do a little follow up about time management, but we come back to that. So, um, yeah, I've been trying to get everything set up for that. Uh, I've got some really cool little uh, Arduino-based tech that I've built to make the whole streaming thing a little more unique and interesting. And I'll talk about that in the stream. So if you want to watch the stream, you can find out about what I'm talking about. And it'll be online for a couple days after, too. So you can always watch it later. But um, as far as follow-up, you know, last time we talked about... um, time management. And I mentioned the idea of writing out the week, you know, and like writing in the things, dedicating like this day, this time to this thing. And I wasn't really sure how that would work or what the value would be in blocking off some times like that. So since then I wrote down a little sheet of paper, you guys can see it, not everybody listening can, but I wrote down the weeks and then just kind of wrote in a little mark for everything that I was required to do. So like this recording is on there. Um, the day that I release videos and the day that I release things for Patreon people and the day we release this show, all those little things that are required, they have like hard times. And 
not that I scheduled every minute of every day, but it was easy. It was nice to see the blocks where things have to be. And it gives me a, a, you know, Wednesdays are actually pretty open and, you know, Tuesdays are pretty busy every week. And so it just helped me to kind of figure out where would be a reasonable time to add a new thing, to add the streaming schedule to where it wasn't going to make Tuesdays, you know, totally awful or, you know, whatever. And so even though it's not like a hard full week laying out a schedule that I have to stick to, it just gave me an idea of like when my most free times are and when I need to kind of be focusing on shop stuff or when I kind of need to be focusing on non-shop stuff. Or I'm a very visual person. So when I have my iCal up and I see the blocks on there, that really helps me kind of like mm-hmm. determine when things are available. I need the visual. What? So I'm curious about that. What all do you put into your calendar that you need to be able to see? Like, what's the kind of granularity of stuff that's worthwhile? Sure. Anything, th- how do I say, th- how do I put this in words? Anything that um, is scheduled. Uh, so um, there are things that go into my, um, what's that called? Remind reminders the apple thing there's reminders and then i have lists on in my notes but anything that requires me to be requires my time at a certain specific time of a day goes into my calendar everything else goes into my notes or my daily reminders apple reminders or whatever it's called yeah if people are going to miss me being at that event i write it on a calendar if i if, if it's one of those events where like i i in my mind i think well, if I accidentally miss this, no one's going to notice whether I'm there or not. I don't write it down. <laughs> but if it's like I'm the featured guest of an event, whatever it might be, I write it. I make sure I write it on a calendar, and I write it on my hands a couple times too. But I have a, a, a new calendar from a, a welding company I buy stuff from, so that's hanging in my workshop bathroom. So every time I'm doing my business, I can look at the calendar and see what's coming up. I write on it with a Sharpie where and when. And then I also use the Siri reminder. I started using that more and more because Taylor got me into that. I just hold the thing. I say, Siri, remind me to do the podcast tomorrow at four. She'll say, mm-hmm. okay, thank you in the calendar. So that's been doing a big, great help for me. Yeah, that, that is really thing. helpful. That's one of those things I'm trying to use more of because yeah. it's, you know, it's got some really cool functionality to it that you can take advantage of. Like you can say, remind me to do this when I get home. And when your phone shows up at your location, it'll give you a reminder. Stuff like that is, oh, yeah. I kind of forget how cool that is, you know, and how yeah, useful sure. it would be. So, Bob, do you use the default calendar with your operating system, or do you use one of those paid premium calendars? Uh, I use the default, just, yeah, the one that comes with iOS, or with uh, the Mac OS. And then, I, you know, I have a Google Calendar that's all kind of, it's attached to it's it. It's all tied, it's all, yeah. I yeah, do the same. but... You know, I just kind of put it wherever it goes by default. But, um, yeah, so anyway, that was the follow-up I had for the the time management stuff because it helped me a lot to just lay out my week in a really general sense and figure out, like, where the requirements were. No, that's a great, you you held up just, like, the five days with blocked out time, and that's that's really, really smart. Yeah. And I'm sure that'll change over time, but it, you know, lets me see, like, where to keep things in balance, I guess, more than anything else. Um, so we had some questions. I asked for some questions this week, uh, and we got a lot of them. So thank you everybody for sending those. Um, you guys want to just run through them? Try to see yeah, go for it. Cover? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So one from Ken that I thought was interesting. Ken said suggestions for a hobbyist maker to avoid discouragement when they can't replicate online maker results. 
I kind of imagine this is pretty common for a lot of people that watch a lot of YouTube, you know, who, yep. I mean, you're always going to be watching, you're going to be interested in people who have a skill level above yours, no matter what that skill level is. Right. Right. There's always going to be a certain amount of frustration that like you can't recreate it. You guys have any suggestions there? I think, I'm sorry, Jimmy, you want to go ahead first? No, 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 go ahead. I have a funny thought, but you go. Okay. So I think because not everybody has the same tools and not everybody has the same skill set, you have to take those projects and kind of make them yours. Maybe redesign a certain aspect because maybe you don't have that bandsaw or that joinery system. So you kind of redesign it and make it work for you. So modifications will help you get through a lot of those hurdles. Yeah, well, it's funny. I was walking with uh, uh, my friend Anthony yesterday. We were walking down the street, and he says to me, he goes, he goes isn't it amazing? Because you just look at stuff. He goes, you must just constantly look at stuff and go, I can make that. I know I can make that. I go, actually, more often I have a, the, the thought of this. I look at something and think to myself, I should know how to make that, but I'm afraid to make that. I have that, huh. that thought in my head more often than, because the things I know how to make, they're just there. It's like, it's like they're invisible to me because I know I could just make that. But when I see something and I'm like, wow, I wonder how that's done. And I start feeling the edges and I start feeling for the material. Those are the things that intimidate me a little bit more. And so I, I know how they're, they're, what they're feeling when they do that. But it's really important to, to also remember that anybody online has made something that looks good, you know, in quotes. Uh, be, they, have, they have a certain number of years of practice or experience. I mean, me, you know, I can really only talk about myself. People see what I do and they're like, you make it look so easy, but that's just because I've done it so often. And, and I always compare this to my students. I say, you know, if you're going to learn how to play the guitar, you're going to play any song on the guitar, you got to practice. You don't just pick up the guitar and, and play a song right away. And it's the same thing with making a birdhouse. If you've never used tools or hand saws or anything, or, you know, you have limited experience, you know, like, let's say, for instance, you could play a couple of chords on the guitar, but you can't play flamenco, right? You see a flamenco guitar player. So I always make that, that guitar player comparison. And both you guys play guitar, so you know how long it took to get into feeling confident to play in front of, you know, your mother or your father. Are you, sorry, Bear. <laughs> so. I think, if, I'll add one more little thing. A lot of times you'll see the, the content creators and... Uh, I, maybe you guys are a little bit different because you guys experiment a little bit more. But many content creators, including me, will only build, not only, but tend to build things that they're very confident in building. And so like, mm -hmm. oh, I know how to make this bandsaw box. This is really easy for me to film and show. But somebody who then goes and makes that bandsaw box, I get a lot of emails saying, I can't cut the tight curves you have. I I don't think you're telling me what blade to use. I'm like, yes, it's it's all a matter of feel, feed rate, and and how you turn the box through the bandsaw. And so, we typically tend to show things that we know how to do. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we talked about me showing mistakes and stuff, but I think a lot of people don't do that. Um, not necessarily like to be deceptive or anything, but I think a lot of people will just say, if I'm trying to tell a story of how a thing is made the ways that I messed up may not be an important part of that story in, in their mind. You know, it may be that I'm going to create a video that shows how this thing gets made correctly, not how I made it necessarily. Mm. And so, you know, that's a, that's kind of a hard point of reference if you're not that person and you say, well, I'm going to go through that exact same process, but you know, you're faced with the mistakes that you made and you're not faced with the mistakes that that person made in the video. I mean, it's just, you know, there's it's, no way around that, it, but that's just a thing that you have to, you know, keep in mind that 
there's probably stuff that wasn't shown. That's such sure. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got an email this morning from a, a fan that said, how do you make your finger joints? They always seem to work so perfect. I said, I fiddle off camera so much to get them right. You know, I'm literally putting like layers of tape on my spacer, you know, and I'm always cutting up scrap to make sure that the finger joints fit. Cause you know, the longer, if you're making a finger joint, that's like, you know, four inches long, it works pretty good, but go from four inches to 12 inches. And now all of a sudden that whatever that micron that's off is magnified. So by the mm. time you get the finger joints are actually touching each other, they're not going in between each other. You know, so in the beginning of the cut, they're perfect by the end. They're like on top of one another. So I said, it just takes a lot of fiddling with your sled and, you know, your adjustments, however you do it. And, you know, what I do sometimes is the peg that I, I make the peg removable and I'll literally sand one side of it and make it snug up with like a couple of layers of tape or, mm. you know, move it over that way. It's just, it's probably so, um, it's so arcane the way I, the way I do it, but it works for me. You know, I see some of you guys have those, those jigs. I, I probably eventually should get one of those jigs. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different, I mean, it's the same amount of adjustment in a different way, though. Yeah. You know, when you get a jig, you still have to mess yeah. with it forever you to get that jig you, right. You still have to run scrap through it to make sure your joints are perfect. Yeah. You don't You don't just set it up and then cut your expensive wood through it. Yeah, I always leave that out because it's just such a dilly-dally time expense. And, I, you know, I get frustrated with it, too, just the way anybody would. So I just try and yeah. get, it, get it dialed in. And another thing, I mean, this is kind of like what you said, David, but I, I want to point out a different part of it everybody's good at different stuff. And like, there are certain things that David is excellent at doing. There are certain things that I'm all right at doing, but the people watching both of us are probably going to be good at a different thing. Not, not necessarily either, either one of those things. And so even though, you know, I may try to make a bandsaw box that looks like David's, it probably won't, it won't be that good. I don't have that precision. I don't have that attention to detail that he has. Um, mine will look different, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it looks bad. Right. I mean, so that's, yep. it's, it's very easy to, to just say, it's not what I imagined. It's bad. My wife does this with food. This, I don't want, I don't mean to call her out. She's a fantastic cook, but if it doesn't look like it looked in the recipe thing, you know, when uh -oh. she saw it, she was like, oh, that's yummy. Oh, I want to make that thing. And then if it doesn't look the same, regardless of how it tastes, she's like, oh, I probably didn't do something right. <laughs> you didn't hire a food photographer is, is what you didn't <laughs> exactly <laughs> the fact of the matter is it's still delicious and it still turned out to be what you know what it needed to be so i think a lot of times it just purely the comparison is the problem not necessarily the, the product that you created but anyway yeah. practice um, that's the bottom yeah. line is practice and then you know if you do a project and you look at it and you're like this looks like junk throw it away and start again you, now you have a whole new set of uh, problems to solve you've got unless you the, spent the, yeah, unless, unless you spend, you spend two money. days, you know, making a welding <laughs> cart that looks like garbage. And <laughs> then just make it smaller. Just cut <laughs> off the bad parts and make it smaller. <laughs> and shorter. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on to the next one. This is from our, our good buddy, Ryan. Um, how many hours do you sleep average per night? I know Jimmy doesn't sleep. Spike told me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan came and he hung out with me. So Ryan knows like <laughs> the distractions I face in a day. He got to meet all my crazy wacky, uh, you know, in the sitcom of my life, the wacky characters. I, I sleep about five hours a night, you know, four to five hours a night. I try and five, sometimes six. Last night I got the most sleep I've gotten in probably two years. I slept last night. I went to sleep at 1030 and I woke up this morning at 10. That's the wow. most I've slept probably. I mean, the, that's the longest I've slept in years. But yeah, the most, like I, you know, six is good for me. If I sleep eight hours, I'm sleeping, you know, that's me sleeping in. Yeah. 
I get six and a half to seven. I go to bed most nights at 2 a.m. and then get up around 8.30, sometimes up, sometimes at nine. Uh, I read not too long ago that the amount of hours of sleep that you need is different for everybody. There is no like one thing. It's whatever works for you. And everybody is a little bit different. So don't, if you think you need eight hours of sleep, you need eight hours of sleep. If you think you need five, you only need five. So whatever works for you. Well, I was curious. Yeah. I mean, do you guys feel like that pattern that you've gotten into of that amount of sleep? Do you feel like that's enough or do you feel like you're always behind on sleep? I feel like that's enough for me. I always feel like I need more sleep. Yeah. I mean, I usually sleep about seven, seven and a half, maybe not even seven and a half, seven. Um, and it's usually enough after I get awake, but you know, I don't ever drag throughout the day, but it's hard to get up in the morning. But I think that's just being a person. <laughs> and I'll tell you guys yeah. an interesting story. I know I, I mentioned him before in the past, my friend, Harry Ang, who, who used to put things in bottles, but he died mm-hmm. while he was well into his seventies. He passed away at least 10 years ago now. So he was, he wasn't, I mean, he was so young at heart. It's hard for me to say he was elderly, you know, although technically he was, but he was such a young minded guy. And when he would come and stay with me in the Lower East Side, I had a two-bedroom apartment at the time. I lived alone, and you know my friends would come and stay in that second apartment. And he would come and stay, and, and I'd get up in the middle of the night to go use the bathroom, and he'd be sitting there like making notes and you know practicing his card tricks. And that was you know when I was first getting to know, I was like, "What's up? Are you feeling alright?" He goes, "Oh no, I, I only sleep four hours a night, no matter what." He goes, "I've already slept my four hours. Now I'm up, and I'm just exercising my mind." And you know, he goes, "The whole world isn't up, so I'm up." He goes, "So I practice my card tricks and I write notes and." So even hmm. though like he, he only needed four hours exactly, and as soon as his body would get up, and he, that was it. His day started whenever, you know, four hours from whenever he laid down. So it wow. was, that was so intriguing. And, and the more I get to know him, it was true. You know, I'd, I'd, go, I'd, I'd hear him outside my, you know, in the apartment moving around. He came and stayed with me about once a year for about four or five years in a row. And uh, we got hmm. to be chums. Awesome. Well, um, we've got several more here. Let's move on. Uh, the most, this is from Chris uh, Jaeger, I think his name, last name is. What's the most over and or underrated tool in the shop? Hmm. Any ideas there? Mm, I think uh, I think the most underrated tool in the shop might be chisels, a set of chisels, like a good set of chisels. Hmm. You know, you ever hang out with somebody and they have like a really, like a chisel that looks like you use it to scrape the paint off a sidewalk? And they go, oh, here's my chisel. Like, oh, when's yeah, the that's last what time? mine look like. <laughs> <laughs> when's the last time you used this to actually do some real woodwork with it? They're like, oh, well, it's sharp. It was sharp when I bought it. <laughs> yeah, I've been with a lot of guys where I look in their toolbox and I see their chisel is just used for everything, prying open cans and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. uh, it's good to have a nice set of chisels that are consistently sharp. In, in my toolbox video, I have a, they're not expensive. It's just a cheap set of Stanleys, but I always keep them razor sharp so that I always know they're available. And that's what I use to do the, the hinge pocket in, in that video. So chisels, I think, are underrated. And uh, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say what's overrated. Maybe the chop saw, because you could do everything on a, if you got room, yeah. you could use a, you could use a crosscut sled on your table saw. So you don't necessarily need a chop saw. And you get more accurate cut with a crosscut sled. I was going to say the same thing for overrated is the chop saw, even though I bought probably the most premium chop saw you can get. <laughs> um, but I want, and the only reason, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons I got the 
fancy expensive chop saw is because I wanted to leave my table saw set up for certain cuts so I can go back and forth. But mm. not everybody needs that because not everybody needs to be as efficient. Because if you're doing this for fun, it's okay to, you know, adjust your setup and make different cuts and go back and forth. My underrated is my random orbit sander. So I started off with a really cheap one, the Skill. And I use that and it works at sands, but it like vibrates like crazy. It made sanding kind of an awful task. Then I upgraded to a Bosch one and that was, it worked a lot better. There was less vibration and made the task more manageable or easy or more fun. And then recently I got another premium one, which has a bigger pad, a five inch pad and makes sanding I, enjoyable is not the right word, but more <laughs> enjoyable than the previous version. So I'm going underrated is the palm sander, disc sander, not disc sander, but uh, random orbit sander. That's funny. I was going to say the disc sander actually for that. Because I didn't have one for a really long time. And it was one of those things like, oh, that would be kind of handy, you know, on occasion. And now that I have it, it's like, oh, yeah, I can smooth out an entire side of something. I can get rid of the excess fingers on a finger joint. I can, you know, shape a two by four down into something. I mean, you can do everything with that. It's pretty handy. But um, that's a good pick. That's a really, I use mine in almost every single project. Yeah. And I just recently, it, it is, it's one of those things that's kind of a pain to, um, to change the sandpaper on, you know, whereas like a Velcro based palm sander or something, you could switch out the paper anytime you want to in between things. That's a little bit more because it's an adhesive back. It's a little bit more of a pain. So I found that instead of going to an extreme grit in either direction, you just kind of get a good medium grit and then you use the pressure that you're working with it to make it a more versatile tool, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, that's, that's my underrated. Overrated, it's probably the chop saw. I've, I use it less and less all the time. I'm totally with you. I do think that having it, um, having it around for like chopping pieces of aluminum has turned out to be handy. You know, you could still do that on your table saw with a crosscut sled and stuff, but um, it just feels like it's, for me anyway, it's becoming a little bit more of a dedicated like like the word chop feels less woodworky <laughs> and feels less, it feels more like I'm just going to cut some stuff, you know? Yeah. And so in my shop, it's becoming a little bit more of that, like this kind of brutal utility thing rather than like a woodworking tool. But you know, I guess it is all these things are just how you use them. What your workflows like. We're all doing something different. So this answer is going to be different for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Totally. All right, so next question is from Doing Whatever on Twitter. Are your significant others interested in what you do, involved in the making, editing of a project, and do you want them to be? I wonder if we have the same answer or different answers for this. <laughs> for me, it's very much so. Like, Kelly always wants to know what I'm working on, and I'm. she's asking questions, and I'm sending her photos through progress while she's at work. Uh, she's been in a couple of videos. We want to, she's a basket maker. So we want to collaborate on a couple of videos in the future. So she's very much a part of what I do. She's very involved in like what goes on behind the scenes as far as editing and uh, analytics and emails and, and all that. So the answer is yes, she's very much a part of what I do. Yes. Taylor is. Taylor's listening to me, so it's hard for me to answer this question, but... Um, <laughs> Blink once oh. if the answer is no. 
She's asking me what's going on. Um, no, I'll come home and I will have, I'll find Taylor on my YouTube channel catching up on the last like seven or eight videos and, and correcting some of my grammar. Because when I type descriptions, they're always misspelled and the grammar is always wrong and the punctuations are always in the wrong spot. So mm. I find from time to time Taylor goes back and corrects my grammar, which is great. And, Be happy uh, that you're not married to a speech therapist. Mm. <laughs> Hi, Kelly. <That's> <laughs> and, uh, and, and as far as Taylor, as far as YouTube goes, everyone's pushing for her to start her own YouTube channel. So I think it's eminent, her working on her chairs and some of her, her dress work and her creative work. I think it's just a matter of time. So yeah. I think I hope we'll so. see her she on has YouTube a, soon. She has a huge amount of skill, like covering a really broad amount of stuff. Yeah, I'd love to see that. She's amazing, and she picks up everything she she attempts very well. So awesome! Yeah, I mean, the answer's the same for me. Uh, Jenny's not really involved in like the specifics of what I do, as far as like she's not helping me edit or helping me in the shop or whatever. But she does help me uh, ship out, you know, t-shirts and stuff like that a lot. She, but she's really involved in as far as the conversation behind the scenes stuff. I'm always telling her about what I have coming up and. You know, she gives me lots of project ideas. She's fantastic at coming up with um, with ideas for. Actually, she's just great at ideas, but she's great for project ideas and giving them like an interesting spin. She's great at naming things, which has really been fun. Like uh, she's in, she plays roller derby, and roller derby players. I don't know if everybody knows this, but they almost always have a roller derby name. They have like this different <laughs> persona, right? And hers is Hello Kidney like Hello Kitty, but she gets to punch people in the kidneys. So, um, (laughs) but when she was first starting that, she came up with, she had to come up with this name. And so she had literally two pages of names, like two columns on each page. It was a couple of hundred names, potential names, and they were all plays on words and, you know, stuff like that. So anytime I'm looking for like the name of a product or the name, like some catchy little phrase or, like I made a, a iOS app, a game several years ago. She named it. She named the band we are in, you know, stuff like that. So she's a, she's a, like my sounding board for lots of stuff and always super supportive, obviously, too. So uh, One, one okay. other thing I'd like to add about Taylor, and I know she's listening, is that she's super honest with me. So if I, if I show her an edit, she'll make a face and I'll know that it's not to her liking. So hmm. I have to go back and work on it and... So I appreciate that, Taylor. You listening? She's listening. So. Hi, Taylor. <laughs> the guys yeah, say hello. I, so if I I need to say that Kelly is also my ideas person. We always joke around about how, not joke around, but we talk seriously about like a lot of my ideas come from her. And the same thing, like like Jimmy said, um, she's very honest. So when I designed the coffee station that I talked about earlier, the first design I showed it to her. I showed her the SketchUp file that I spent hours making. She just didn't have a reaction. She's like, oh, mm. I thought it was going to be more mid-century modern. <laughs> Redesigned it from scratch. And, <laughs> right. and, and luckily Is that how I it's going to look? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And luckily <laughs> I did because the first one would have been just another woodworking project that somebody's mm. already done. But I've done now I created something that's kind of unique. So she is my ideas person. And I'm not going to name names, but I've talked to other content creators and they said um, – the, the two guys that I talked to, their dudes, their wives had zero input and really didn't care about what they did. So it's it's different for everybody. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, family dynamics are different in every family. So I guess mm-hmm. each to his own. But yeah, it sounds like we're all lucky enough to have some supportive others, 
Um, you, you mentioned editing, <clears throat> and this is totally off topic, but it reminded me. So I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I've talked about it before a long time ago called Startup. You guys ever listen to Startup? No. Okay, well, you need to go back and listen to Startup. Fantastic. All right. uh, especially the first season. It's about a guy. It's made by a guy about him starting a podcasting company. So it's a podcast about the podcast that it is. Kind of crazy. But um, really well produced, really well put together. But it's about starting a business and like how he got funding and all this different stuff. Season two, meh, I didn't. I stopped listening to it. Uh, season three, they came back and started going back to his company and talking about you know changes that had happened since then. And in I think it's the second episode of season three is what I'm on now. They talk about the edit process. Yeah, that's it. Um, they talk about the process for creating one of their podcasts and like how it's edited. But they focus a lot on someone putting in the time to edit a bunch of thoughts and a bunch of story things down into a, a piece, into a final thing, and then how that edit evolves based on the input of other people. And it was really well done and, and I think explained really well the process of creating content, whether that's video or audio or you know if you're a writer or, I don't know, even an artist, whatever the thing is that you're putting in time to create and you kind of bend it, you modify it and edit it to get what you want out of it. But then when you bring in other people, like a team of people that, you know, or a, a boss or whatever, and you have to present that thing to them and they have a different idea of what it's supposed to be. And they always bring new input into it. But it's like almost kind of an attack on your creation at first, you know? It's like anyway, being in a band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a good point. Um, totally like that. <laughs> But anyway, it's worth listening to anybody that creates anything, and and you know if you're going to put it out there, if it's not if you're not going to put it in the closet, somebody's going to have an opinion about it. So I think it's worth listening to because it gives you com- some perspective about that. You know, editing for the sake of presenting to others. Anyway, off topic, but kind of related. It's cool. cool. I just subscribed. Um, let's see here. I might want to edit this out. Okay. Um, okay, this one's by Travis. So many ideas race through your head. How to manage ideas and not get distracted by the newest exciting project. This is probably an issue for all of us. Yeah, I just, whatever whatever bubbles to the surface at any given moment is really what happens with me. Uh, it's It just sort of happens naturally. And I trust my instincts, you know, because I've been doing this for so long that whatever bubbles to the surface, I just jump on. There are times when I, when I'm, when I, I lack... Good ideas. I, I talked about my whirly gig, and the day I made that, I didn't have that idea. I wasn't even thinking of a whirly gig. I mean, m- maybe the night before I thought about it, and that that morning I had no idea what my solutions would be, and so I started digging through the bins, and I found those washers, and that was the impetus. Of those big off-centered washers. I said, "Oh, here I could make a quick cam instead of making a zigzaggy cam." So I, I mean, I trust my instincts, and uh, when I commit, I mean, I have a lot of deadlines with with my core videos and my make videos and my own videos. So if I commit, I just try and make it work. And I always know that there's, I'm always going to need content down the road. So I could always, you know, do the one I really want to do next. Write down every idea you have because <laughs> you think you won't forget. And then the next day you're like, what was that idea that I had? Totally and so, forget. <laughs> and if it, even if it's somebody else's 
thing that sparked that idea, write it down because if you come back to it a year later, you might forget where the original idea came from. And so when it comes time for you to execute it, you will make it your own and you're not copying somebody else. So, hmm. And like Jimmy's uh, idea of screenshotting everything on your phone. I mean, that's a good way to like hold those reference images, you know, that you, this was the thing that inspired me to remember something. It's a good way to do it. Yep. Um, for me, like, you know, we've talked about how I plan. I try to plan ahead and work a few weeks ahead and stuff. Um, but I think it is really important, just like Jimmy said, to be able to pivot for inspiration. If something hits you, there's a lot of value in like really caring and being passionate about what you're doing right now, even if it's not in your plan. And I think it's really good to be able to pivot to that and just say like, okay, whatever I was working on, it'll still be there, right? This thing is like got me on fire. And it's okay for me to jump to it and just like make it. Um, that being said, uh, so I keep all my project ideas. I've talked about Trello before, uh, the list building app. And I keep all mine in there. And I have one that's like one page that's a, a schedule. And so it's the next four months. And there, I don't have stuff scheduled out for four months. But it's like so that I can schedule this month and then push things off to the next month or the next month. But I keep them in a list so I can see them all, right? Then I have another one that's just ideas that are like, they don't, they're not on a schedule. It's just where I dump my thoughts, but I have them in categories. I may have talked about this before, but I have one list that's definitely stuff that I can, I know I can pull off. I definitely want to do one that's incoming. That's like unsorted one. That's maybe because they're kind of good ideas, but not great ideas. And then one that's totally bananas. It's actually called totally bananas because it's the <laughs> stuff that I don't think I would ever actually do, but it's still a cool idea. But the cool, the reason that I have all these lists is that I can look at them all at the same time and say, like, I just thought of a new idea. How important is it relative to everything else that I've already got on my lists? And if it makes me happier or more interested than that stuff, it goes to the front of the line. And that, you know, but I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have these like in front of me where I could look at them and, you know, because I would be going, oh, there's probably something even more interesting in my list, in my brain somewhere that I don't actually have written down. But so anyway, whatever the tool is or whatever your notebook or your be Jimmy and write it all on your arm, you know, if you if you keep this stuff kind of written down, then getting a new idea, you can decide where it goes. Like, does it go now? Does it go later? Does it never happen? You know, is it totally bananas? You should see some of the stuff on my totally bananas list, by the way. It's pretty funny. Anyway, um, cool. Well, let's see if we got any more. Uh, <laughs> this one's from Tom. What is the cleanest you have ever gotten your shop? Have you mopped? If you have, he says, I have because I brew beer in there too. So that, that makes sense. Yeah, what's the cleanest you guys have ever had your shop? Right now. <laughs> Take a picture. Right now. So what, two weekends ago, we, we filmed the, the shop tour. And so I had to get everything straightened up for my buddy who was going to be the cameraman. And I actually haven't built anything since then. So it is – so I just come downstairs and just look at it for like five minutes and then turn off the lights and go back upstairs because it looks so good right now. Is that why you didn't do any work in the shop this week? So it looks I don't so want to mess it up. Mess it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. My shop, the cleanest it ever was, was the day that I got the keys. And ever since then, it's been downhill. <laughs> downhill. <laughs> <laughs> It was one big empty brick room. It was gorgeous. Hmm. Yep. How long it. have you been in that shop? 12 years. Wow. And I just I signed the lease recently for two more. So I'll be in there for two more years and that's it. That's a big hill to go down. 
<laughs> two years to get out. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to slowly start moving out as soon as the winter breaks. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, mine goes through phases. It never gets like super clean, but I tried to, we walk through my shop pretty often um, just because just because the way our house is set up. So I try to keep like at least a reasonable walkway through it, you know, so it's not like there's not stuff's being dragged into the house through kids' shoes and stuff, but um, it's never very clean. <laughs> um, let's do one or two more. There's a good one here. I, I'll be interested to to talk about, but before that, um, the lousy craftsman asks if we're going to be at Maker Fair Bay Area. If so, what days are we going to be there? And that's a good know, question. That is a good question. Would any of you like to answer that question? I think I'll be there because we're going to be going to a wedding in Colorado and we're going to drive up. So I think, yes, we're definitely going to be there, Taylor and I. I don't know about you guys, but I know I'm going to be there. I'll be driving again. I will be there. I will be there. And it's good that we're all three going to be there because we're all three scheduled to do a talk there. So, Oh, we are? I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, we are. Um, yeah, I've been talking to them um, and we're, we're figuring out like the format and when and oh, where cool. and all that stuff. But um, and and it's, any- There's a possibility we might have an interesting guest with us in that talk. That oh, you cool. guys don't even know about yet. So I don't. We'll get more details as we get that stuff uh, nailed out. But we'll definitely be at the fair. And I think this year we'll probably try to do some sort of a meetup or something, you know, one yeah. night after the thing. Because uh, the fair, if you've never been to the Maker Fair in, in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, it's huge and confusing. And there's a lot there. And it's kind of hard to find people and stuff. So we'll try to do some sort of yeah. meetup or something. So any locals? out there if you have a suggestions for a place that we could do a meetup near the fair maybe right after let us know yeah that would be cool um all right so let's do one more that's good with one more good this is from john at try learn make what is a skill you learned at an office job that you still use other than design mm, many of them photoshop illustrator video editing let's say non-software do we have any other ones anybody I mean, that's like uh, a good answer, but, you know, just curious. I learned how to talk to people without hurting their feelings. Hmm. Expectations? Yeah, managing people's expectations. Being, uh, it, being able to discuss ideas openly without putting other people's ideas down when they absolutely deserve no merit. Hmm. Brainstorming. Yeah. We, I mean, we've talked about it in the past. I've I'd never worked... Uh, in, in a group where we've kind of all brainstormed and wrote down the crazy banana ideas, which turned into executable ideas. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, okay, I was going to say, in most of the brainstorming circumstances I was ever in in the office, I was always like considered like the crazy one. And so it was hard for my ideas to be taken serious because they were always like, oh, you, your ideas are so out there. I'm like, because they would really just literally like have the tip of their foot in the, you know, the creative pool. And I'd be like mm-hmm. splashing and doing cannibals in it and... So, like, they basically would be like... So it was hard sometimes for my ideas to be taken serious. It was frustrating. Hmm. I think I learned... Um, I mean, obviously, you learn a lot when you work with different types of people and different numbers of people. But one of the big things that I think carried over for me is when I, I first started business after I got out of school and I was owning the business, right? It was like a little small startup. And I get very, like, uh, offended when a client didn't like something that I did. And looking back on it now, I say like, man, I was like making myself the martyr. Like, oh, wow, they didn't like what I did. Oh, poor me. You know, now I can look back in hindsight and say like, how immature was that to, to feel that way when you're trying to create something for someone else? 
And so I think from going through that and seeing how that affected the client relationships, I realized that like, you know, people not liking what you do is not the worst thing in the world. It's not, mm-hmm. you don't have to take offense to it, you know, use it as like a yeah. way to, to get better at what you do. Um, so I think I learned that. No, it's true. I, I work with clients too and they're very picky and they're this and they're that. And then, you know, someone like, you know, someone close to me like Dave or somebody might say, to, isn't it frustrating to deal with someone like that? I'm like, it can be, but they're paying for a certain thing they wanted a certain way. And at this point, I'm just facilitating that for them. I think yeah. the frustration for me, because I came out of the same environment as Bob in web development, was they would hire us to do something and they considered us the expert. But then when we gave them our expertise <laughs> and they said, no, this is not what we want. We want to do this. And you try to tell them like, that's not going to work. Um, it That's where it really hurts because you're like, I you're, you pour everything you can into this project for a couple of days, a few weeks, a few months, a year sometimes. And then when they say, nope, it hurts so bad, but it's always a learning experience. And sometimes you're blind. You have your blinders on when you're in these projects. And when they say, we want it to be more like this, that's when you have to be creative and you have to make it work for, for everybody. And it usually turns out to be a good learning experience. Yeah, totally agree. Um, cool. Well, let's talk about what we're watching, but before we do, I want to thank our Patreon people, uh, specifically Elijah Taylor, Dominic Defino, John Cornwell, Luis Gonzalez, and Jeremy White. They're our top patrons on Patreon. And of course we appreciate everybody that supports us on Patreon. It's a huge help. It does make a difference and we are very grateful for it. Thank you guys. So if you want to help out over there, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. And any amount of support there would be fantastic. Or you can just share the show, you know, all that stuff. Come see us at Maker Fair. Give us a high five. <laughs> yep. So uh, what have you guys been watching? Anything new or anything interesting? So a channel that I recently discovered is called What's Inside. <laughs> That's a so great channel. It is, yeah, it's a great one. Jimmy, you did something similar uh, recently, which yeah, uh, which I watched your video, and this is one of the suggested channels to watch afterwards but basically this this guy and his son they chop things in half and you get to see what's inside and i don't know why but that's so cool like, yeah they, they got a really good thing going so simple and so clever yeah they just cut things open and reina this it's so funny because reina is my friend's daughter and i remember when she was born and now she's an up-and-coming youtuber and she, and her dad my friend randolph emailed me a couple weeks ago and said Hey, can Raina come over and cut some baseballs in half in the shop? I said, sure. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize her YouTube channel was up and running. He told me she was thinking about it. She's uh, maybe 12 or 13 years old. And she's a big Yankee fan, so she wanted to cut open some baseballs. And she was inspired by that channel to cut open these baseballs. Oh, nice. And she's, she's got like 100 subscribers, but this one video is now at like 16,000 views because I guess because I'm in it. And, <laughs> and, and me and David Welder and it's just goofing off because she, she added she edits a whole herself. And uh, it's just uh, me and Dave goofing off with her and having fun with her and her dad. So it's a lot of fun. You know, there's also a great tip in there too uh, where you're cutting a baseball and if you don't know, and I've made this mistake, if you cut something round on the bandsaw, what happens is the blade takes that thing, it grabs it, and spins it towards the blade. And if it's your hands so are on scary. something, it's so scary. It yeah. throws your hands toward the blade. So yeah. a great tip from that video is put it in a clamp, then run it th- through a yeah. little Yeah, I grabbed it with a screw clamp. 
Um, nice. So besides my Yankee universe, which is Rain's channel, I'm going to talk about my buddy Freddie, who was just here in New York. Freddie from Blazing Nail Gun. And Freddie's a Southern from Southerner from Tennessee. He's got a great accent. And he's just the sweetest guy in the world. And he was just in town last week. And we had a lot of laughs, me, him, and Dave. And he's going to be in the upcoming 100 Uses for the Ice Pick Part 2. Nice. So. He's a good dude. I met him uh, yeah. six months ago. Yeah, he's going to be in Atlanta with all of us, too. And he's going to also be at Maker Fair, too. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I saw a really cool video, interesting video. And I, I, didn't, I haven't watched any of his other videos, so I'm not sure what else he has. But this guy named Daniel Kasprick sent me a video of him doing the first run on an auto box joint jig. And he built this box joint jig. It's driven by an Arduino to, to automatically move it over per cut. And I, this has been done, I think, by some other people before. But it was really cool just to see a video of the first run of somebody creating something that you know is technology and woodworking-based. And, and it's a tool. It's not just a thing. It's a tool. And to see it running the first time and like... You know, you never know if stuff like that's going to work. Um, whereas when you build a piece of furniture, you know if it's going to work by whether it'll stand up on its own or, you know, whatever, <laughs> hold your weight. But when you start integrating electronics, there's just so many different ways that things can fail. So it was, it was cool to see somebody like, I'm going to shoot video of the first run and hope it works. And it did. It was really cool. So oh, nice. yeah, go check out Daniel's video. That reminds me of a video that I, I don't know. I will never know where to find it. But there's a guy who who he you could type in how wide you want the cut to be from your chop saw. Did you ever see that guy? And he put like a screw thing. It's all digital. You could type it right down to like the hundredth of an inch. He types it in and the thing goes away from the chop saw. And that's a stopper. So you could type in exactly hmm. 15 inches or so, whatever. <laughs> nice. That's another cool thing. Yeah. I think the video that we're not talking about and I didn't pick because I thought it was going to be Bob's pick. <laughs> Was the the Winter Garden Marvel oh, music machine? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's right here in front of me. I kind of assumed the same. I thing. I thought we would all say the same thing. And actually, he emailed me this morning to show me. He, I, I got a, He's got like ten million views on that thing, and I got it emailed to me ten times this week. And then out of nowhere, this morning, I get an email from him, mm -hmm. and he says, "He goes, would you please look at my video?" I said, "Dude, you're like the YouTube rock star of the universe right now." I said, "You're like yeah. blowing up." So that was really nice to hear from him that he, you know, he wanted me to take a look at what he did. That thing is so complicated. I can't even like begin to figure it out. Like yeah. I'm trying to, I watched his other videos where he talks about how he made it and it still doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah. For it's sure. crazy. And he actually just, yeah, those two videos he put up, I guess in the last couple of days as to how it works, like he explains, which I haven't watched yet. They're in my list, but um, he explains the mechanisms because it's, it's, it's really amazing. And I You'll love those videos. And then there's videos leading up to that, kind of explaining his progress. Yeah. Um, I didn't – I've, I've, I've been watching backwards. So the, the Marble Music Machine came out, and then I just watched them backwards in, in the last two videos. But it's so brilliant. And I think not only is the machine brilliant, but the song is fantastic too, which yeah. just is like the cherry on top of the whole thing. Yeah. Amazing yep. musician. Yeah, he. Yeah, he. There's a lot of really awesome stuff in that one particular video. Um, and yeah, he emailed me too uh, when he first finished it and sent it out, which was really cool. And he is a fan of the podcast. That's so, so cool. That was very nice of him. And his name is Martin. Um, Martin Molin. So yeah, if you haven't seen that, be sure to go check that out. I hope he does something next. You know, like does another crazy contraption because I would love to see what you. What you make after that. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool to He's see. incredible. 
Cool. Well, um, I guess that's it for this week. Unless you guys got anything else, send us some more ideas via Twitter if you want to, um, at Making It Podcast. And we'll see you next week. Cool. Thank you, everybody. Later. I would say I love you, but I don't feel good. I love you for Jimmy. Thank you. (laughs) Next week, I'll come back. The love never stops. (laughs) See you guys.